Hey, everybody. It is Friday, August 11th. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast for a very special edition. I'm Mo Shwanunu, and I am just about three feet away for our first ever in-person pod with Jill Wagner. Hi, Mosh. <laughs> Hi, everybody. That's right. I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And I'm happy to report that today, Mosh and I are both in the very same studio in Brooklyn. Yes, uh, this has been a special treat to have you in the office. Uh, we've only had it for a couple months now. We should mention our offices are in a WeWork here in Brooklyn. We work all across the country. Uh, we recently moved in here, been loving the space, uh, and uh, we're very glad to be welcoming you today. So, Jill, we need to know the verdict. How was your first day here? How do you feel about the office? So it has been so nice being in person. I feel like you and I got to talk about stories throughout the day. Um, I loved meeting Emily, who works on the Instagram account. I loved meeting Ren and Will, who work on the Mo News website and, and who we worked so closely with to put the newsletter together. There's something to be said for working in person, the camaraderie. We put together that um, end of the week news quiz. That was just fun. It's like good old fashioned work fun. I have to say I loved it. But unfortunately, the downside is that I, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with my family today at all. I mean, I put my daughter on the bus to go to camp Thursday morning, and I'm not going to see her again until she gets up on Friday morning. And that's that's what's tough. And I think that that's the debate that a lot of people have right now when we talk about going back to work, uh, Americans so used to hybrid schedules or, or working remotely. There's definitely something to be said for being in person. Um, but at the same time, you know, two hours commuting, you know, that's two hours that you're not spending with your family or doing something else. Yeah, I know it's a challenge that many people um, are experiencing. But nevertheless, it was great to have you here. It's so much fun being in a newsroom where we can throw out ideas. And you're like, no, that's not the way to ask that question. Like, this is the way to present that that story. And that's something that, you know, it's very hard to replicate, whether you have Slack or text or however you communicate uh, with your colleagues. Uh, and we should mention, you know, WeWork has a bunch of spaces. They have a special code right now for Mo News listeners. So if you're looking for some sort of hybrid arrangement or looking to be able to work uh, in an office setting uh, wherever you are, definitely check that out right now over at WeWork.com. The special code is MoWorks20 for 20% off your first six months. All right, time now for the headlines. An update on the fires in Hawaii. They have now claimed dozens of lives. Overseas, the U.S. reaches a deal with Iran to release some American citizens that have been imprisoned in the country. Some economic news. Inflation rose for the first time in a year. President Biden asks Congress for more money for Ukraine. And Senator Joe Manchin says he's thinking seriously about leaving the Democratic Party. Could there be a deal to get striking writers back to work? And Taylor Swift says she's going to re-record another album. We'll tell you which one. Plus, it's Friday. Cheers to the freaking weekend. What we are watching, reading, and eating. Get excited. It's an in-person edition. And Jill just discovered what she's eating today. Let's just say there's a lot of good food in Brooklyn. <laughs> we want to start with an update on the dire situation still ongoing in Hawaii. The fires are now about 80% contained they now have killed at least 53 people, making it the deadliest fire in the United States in five years since the 2018 campfire in California, which destroyed the town of Paradise. 
Well, in Hawaii, entire communities have been obliterated, particularly that historic town of Lahaina on the island of Maui. It is a tourist destination that dates back to the 1700s. A spokesperson for Hawaii Emergency Management saying, quote, we are still in life preservation mode. Search and rescue is still a primary concern. Crews have not been able to access some areas yet. And just want to mention the big island also currently seeing fires, but there are no reports of injuries or homes that have been destroyed there. Yeah, they they had some evacuations, but uh, ultimately, unfortunately for the folks in Maui, that's been central to where the damage has been. By the way, when we're talking about Lahaina, that used to be effectively the capital of the kingdom of Hawaii going back centuries. So that's why there's such important um, old stuff there that most tourists visit when uh, they visit the island of Maui. By the way, if you do have a trip plan there to the area. Tourists have been warned to stay away for a while. They want all resources in Hawaii going towards recovery right now. About 11,000 people have been evacuated from Maui. Airlines are adding services from Maui to get people out of the area. Southwest Airlines, American Airlines among those increasing service. Airlines have been waiving fees for travelers headed to the islands. One big concern is they don't have enough shelter space for all the people who may have lost their homes. And that's something that uh, the island is trying to figure out. President Biden has declared a disaster. And so they're hoping they'll be able to get the resources uh, to help the many people uh, recover. This is going to be a long-term recovery in Hawaii. We should mention wildfires are not unusual in Hawaii, but these fires came on very quick. There have been drought conditions in Hawaii, and these were fueled by extra strong winds from Hurricane Dora, which is passing hundreds of miles far to the south. But there has not been precipitation because the hurricane is too far to be dropping precipitation. But they're feeling the winds here. Climatologists do say that climate change has been increasing the chances of seeing these types of extreme weather events. All right, now to a pretty complex international story. The U.S. and Iran reached a deal Thursday for five Americans who are detained in the country to eventually leave. In exchange, the U.S. will give Iran access to $6 billion of oil revenue and also free a number of jailed Iranians. The U.S. does not have diplomatic relations with Iran, so Switzerland, Oman, and Qatar mediated the negotiations. According to the New York Times, the U.S. prisoners have already been released from the notorious Evin prison in Tehran and have been moved into house arrest, where they will likely stay for several weeks. So who are these prisoners? We do know the identity of three of them, Siamak Namazi, Ahmad Shargi and Murad Tabaz. They are all dual Iranian U.S. citizens. And the U.S. has long maintained that these men have been unjustly detained. Now, one of the other prisoners who also has not been publicly identified was already under house arrest. Namazi, for his part, was arrested back in 2015 on a business trip. He was charged with having, quote, relations with a hostile state. That hostile state, the United States. His father uh, was released in order to get some medical treatment back in October of 2022, uh, but he had been detained for six years. Shargi is a businessman, Tabaz, an environmentalist. And Moshe, I just want to try to put a, a face to this story. Back in March, one of the prisoners, um, Namazi, he took this very unprecedented step at great risk to himself, by the way, to use his phone privilege in prison to call CNN's Christiane Amanpour. And he basically pleaded to President Biden to, quote, put the liberty of innocent Americans above politics to help secure his release. And, and I want to just play a bit of that interview. Honestly, the other hostages and I 
desperately need President Biden to finally hear us out, to finally hear our cry for help and bring us home. And I suppose desperate times call for desperate measures. So this is a desperate measure. I, um, I'm clearly nervous, uh, just like it's odd for you. It's, it's very intimidating for me to do this. Uh, I, I feel I need to be heard. I, I don't know how, how long I, I have to wait until uh, the White House understands that we need action um, and not just be told, to be told that bringing us out is a priority. So obviously this would be very welcome news to the families of these prisoners, but it's just a first step and it is preliminary. But Moshe, walk us through these $6 billion, because this isn't the U.S. paying $6 billion American dollars for the prisoners' release. Right. So this is actually $6 billion of frozen Iranian money. This is a complex deal here. So from 2012 to 2019, Iran was allowed to sell oil to South Korea and other countries, but the money was frozen in South Korean banks. So effectively, they sold it, but they never got the money in return. So the hold on the money was never meant to be permanent. And so under the terms of this deal, $6 billion of the dollars from that oil money will now be more readily available to Iran for what they call non-sanctionable trade, like things like food and medicine. So the South Koreans are effectively transferring the money to Qatar, a country nearby that Iran has close relations with, which will apparently oversee how Iran spends the money. Uh, the U.S. official saying we're only allowing the Iranian government to spend this on humanitarian things. They can't buy weapons with this money. Now, of course, critics will say the Qataris are going to look the other way here. Uh, they don't see much transparency in the way Iran will eventually spend this money. Either way, that's the deal when it comes to the money. Also part of this deal is a prisoner swap. So Iran and the U.S. have reportedly agreed to reciprocally release and pardon five prisoners. It's not clear which Iranian prisoners in the U.S. will be released, but sources tell the New York Times that, quote, no prisoners held in the U.S. will be released in exchange for these Americans moving to house arrest. Translation, once these Americans are allowed to leave Iran, that's when likely you'll see the U.S., release some Iranian prisoners. So Jill, as you said, this is preliminary. Uh, there's still multiple steps here. And since the U.S. doesn't have direct relations with Iran, they're working through these intermediaries, Qatar, Oman, Switzerland, all effectively, you know, taking phone calls from both sides to work this out. Moshe, that is quite a game of telephone. <laughs> it is. Tehran to Qatar, Qatar to the U.S., maybe Qatar to, to Switzerland to the U.S. Uh, but a lot of negotiations happen this way because, remember, there are countries that don't have relations. So, you know, you see a lot of this, especially in the Middle East, where I don't officially recognize you, but I'll talk to somebody else. This is what's happening in Russia and Ukraine, working through Turkey, working through other mediaries. So diplomacy is a, is a challenge and often requires many games of telephone, or in this day and age, Zooms. Okay, another important thing to note uh, is that these negotiations over the detained Americans, entirely separate from any talk about Iran's nuclear program. Also a reminder, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of Masa Amini's death. She is that 22-year-old who died while in police custody in Iran. She had been detained for breaking the rules on wearing the hijab. Yeah, that sparked some of the biggest protests that Iran has seen in decades. Uh, Iran's ruling clerics uh, facing really um, the wrath of the people for a while. Those protests, though, they ended up uh, killing hundreds of demonstrators, arresting thousands. And so those protests really died down in the spring, Jill. Since then, women have continued to try to stop wearing the hijab. 
But Iran has been cracking down with the protests ending. And so the Iranian president last week saying they're going to enforce this mandatory dress code and the morality police, the so-called morality police, are back out in the streets. All right, we have a lot more to get to uh, in the podcast, but uh, first I want to talk a bit about our sponsors. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We talk a lot nearly every day about the importance of mental health uh, in the headlines, in our lives, uh, people facing major stresses, major decisions, uh, both professionally, personally. Well, talking to somebody about it, talking to a professional can always help. There have been times myself where I've gone to see someone to work things out. Uh, I was initially nervous, but it really helped me get through some major blocks in my life, get clarity on things in my past, setting boundaries, getting a better grasp uh, for how I can move forward. And so we're glad to have BetterHelp as a sponsor here at Mo News. And they have right now uh, a special deal right now for the Mo News community. If you're thinking about starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched up with a licensed therapist. You can also change therapists at no additional cost over time. And so the idea here is let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. You can visit betterhelp.com slash mosh, M-O-S-H, today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that is betterhelp, H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash mosh, M-O-S-H, for that 10% deal. And now let's get to one of our longtime sponsors. We have talked about how we only want to endorse things on this podcast that we really love. And Bowl and Branch Bedding and Sheets is one of those things. We have had them in my house for about six months, and we have been loving them. Bowl and Branch makes their sheets with organic cotton and avoids harsh chemicals that are common in other brands. They're really trying to change the standards for good, and we're on board with that. One thing we should mention, Bowl and Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. They are breathable, so they are perfect for the heat during these really hot summer months. So let's get to the deal right now. They're offering a special deal to the Mo News community. You can get 15% off your first order. Just use the promo code MoNews at BowlandBranch.com. That is BowlandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. That promo code again, MoNews, M-O-N-E-W-S. Exclusions do apply, so make sure you see their site for details. All right, time now for the speed read. Uh, Let's start with the economy from Politico. Inflation in the United States rose in July after 12 straight months of declines boosted by costlier housing. But excluding food and energy prices, so-called core inflation had one of the smallest monthly increases in nearly two years. New numbers out Thursday show that consumer prices increased 3.2% from a year earlier, up slightly from June. It is still far below that 9.1% rate that we saw last summer. But for perspective, the Fed's target rate is 2%. So we've got a way to go. So this latest data, Jill, is one of the key barometers the Fed is going to use in deciding whether to raise interest rates. They already assume they're going to have to raise them one more time this year to tame inflation, and it appears that's going to be the case. They've already raised it 11 times since last March. Interest rates, their key tactic to lowering inflation because that's less money out there, which means less money for us to spend, which means stores uh, and services can't raise uh, prices like they have been. So some of the new inflation pressures do come from a jump in energy prices. Gas prices have surged nearly 30 cents over the past month to a national average of just over $3.80. Part of that has to do with refineries in the South not being able to operate when it's above 95 degrees. 
So with that record heat this summer, that's uh, been an issue. And then, of course, you have Saudi Arabia, Russia, some of the countries that have cut production because they're trying to make more profit off of oil on the global market. When it comes to some other prices, uh, we posted a bunch on Instagram, but motor vehicle insurance up, tax return preparation up, frozen fruits and vegetables up 11%. White bread over last year up almost 11%. Sugar and sweets, 9%. Pets and pet products, 8%. Bakery products, 7%. I could go on, but you get the hang of this, that almost everything you find at most stores is up over last year. Again, not as up as it was over 2021, but still prices keep going up. From the Washington Post, President Biden on Thursday asked Congress to approve another $20 billion in additional funding for Ukraine. The request comes as Ukraine's military struggles to achieve a decisive victory in its counteroffensive against Russia. In a letter to lawmakers, the White House Office of Management and Budget asked for $13 billion in new military aid and $8.5 billion in additional economic, humanitarian and security assistance for Ukraine and other countries affected by the war. In addition to the money for Ukraine, the White House also wants more than $12 billion for disaster relief and other emergency domestic funds like hurricanes, as well as tens of millions of dollars to boost pay for firefighters on the front lines of the wildfires that have hit many parts of the country. So in total, Biden asking Congress for about $40 billion in new spending. So most of that funding should be able to be approved by Congress, but the funding tied to the war in Ukraine, which, by the way, is almost 18 months old at this time, is likely to prove the most controversial. The U.S. has already directed more than $75 billion in aid to Ukraine, including $50 billion in direct military assistance. That is more than any other country has given by a long shot. Biden has vowed that the U.S. government will continue to support Ukraine as long as it takes But some Western allies are facing difficult questions about the state of the war effort, these Ukrainian forces, like how much more progress can they make, and whether, albeit unfairly, that Zelensky will have to negotiate and give away some of his land to the invading Russian forces in order to strike a peace agreement here. A number of Republicans in the House have made it clear that they're going to oppose any new funding for Ukraine. If you look at some recent polls, Jill, It's split now among Republicans in terms of uh, Republicans who want to continue to aid Ukraine and those who do not. A lot of Republicans bring up, like, why aren't the NATO allies giving as much as the U.S. is giving? That's certainly something you hear from Donald Trump and some Republicans on the campaign trail. So this will be very interesting to see whether this can work its way through, though we should note that Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, as well as Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate, uh, have continued to support Ukraine uh, and are trying to urge the Republican colleagues to keep doing so. Staying with politics from the Hill, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin says he is thinking seriously about leaving the Democratic Party and declaring himself an independent before the 2024 election. That's when he'll have to decide whether to run for a fourth Senate term or wage a third party bid for president. Manchin, who earlier this year described himself as an independent Democrat, told a West Virginia radio station Thursday that the Democratic brand has, quote, become so bad. He said, quote, I am thinking seriously. For me, I have to have peace of mind, basically. The brand has become so bad. The D brand and R brand. You've heard me say a million times, I am not a Washington Democrat. So the host pressed him, asking whether he's really serious about becoming an independent. And he did say, yes, I would think very seriously about that. 
He said, when I do speak, I want to be able to speak honestly about basically the extremes of the Democrat and Republican Party that is harming our nation. So, Joe, this should come as no surprise to those of us who've been watching Joe Manchin, watching his rhetoric. It appears he wants to make it official, um, especially as he faces a very challenging and some would say impossible attempt to win re-election as a Democrat in West Virginia. Now, he wouldn't be the first one, especially in the last year. It's just been about eight months now since Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona announced her decision to leave the Democratic Party, register as an independent. Keep in mind, she still caucuses and votes with the Democrats. Bernie Sanders of Vermont, Angus King, another example in Maine of two others who are officially independent, but effectively Democrats. So Manchin says he will decide at the end of the year whether he's going to be running for a fourth Senate term as again. West Virginia continues to get redder and redder and redder. At the same time, he's been pondering a third party candidacy for president under the no labels bipartisan third party group that's looking to get on the ballot in all 50 states. They say they're going to be raising upwards of 70 million dollars to put an independent third party candidate on the ballot. And that could look mighty attractive for Manchin, raising his national profile and also a way not to lose embarrassingly in West Virginia, where right now polls show he's trailing by more than 20 percent in a hypothetical race against uh, Republican Governor Jim Justice there. David Axelrod, the former Obama advisor, among those who's saying this could be a graceful exit for Manchin to say, listen, I'm not running for Senate because I'm running for president. At the same time, Manchin has a lot of Democratic colleagues saying, please don't do this, man. A third party candidacy, if you run, will take votes away from Biden. And if it becomes Biden-Trump, which is looking likelier and likelier, any percentage points, any votes taken away from Biden could lead to a Trump return to the White House. Uh, Democrats still feel burned by uh, Al Gore losing because some votes went to a third party in 2000. Hillary Clinton liked to blame Jill Stein and Gary Johnson in 2016 for taking just enough of votes away from her and allowing Trump to be president. And so Democrats are very wary of this. And uh, Democrats in the establishment especially say, please, Joe, please don't run for president. Staying with the election, though, we should note Mike Pence uh, has made the presidential debate that's coming up in about two weeks, which means he got enough donors, uh, maybe through those two honest T-shirts that he's been making. The big question, though, about this debate is whether Donald Trump is going to show up. Yeah, this is the first presidential Republican presidential debate in Milwaukee. Fox News hosting just about two weeks away. Will Donald show up? Or will he be like, you know, honestly, I'm up 20 or 30 percent over these guys. I'm not going to give them more attention. Really interesting debate, right? Because uh, Trump does not like to give up an opportunity to speak to millions of people. At the same time, he doesn't want to give more attention uh, and opportunities to rivals to be able to use his clout to be able to, you know, showcase uh, what they can do against him. So that'll be the big thing, I think we're all curious about. It's August 11th, Mosh. What's your prediction? My gut, Joe, is right now he doesn't show up. We're all hoping he will because it certainly makes for good TV. But I I am with you. But he knows that, right? Like Trump knows that. Trump also knows that if he shows up, more people will watch. More people watching will give some people ideas like, oh, maybe I like that Ron DeSantis or maybe I like that Vivek Ramaswamy. And Trump doesn't want anyone to find out about these other folks. He just wants to keep rolling, which is what he's doing right now in the Republican primary. From Bloomberg, major media companies have stepped up their efforts to resolve a three-month-long strike by Hollywood writers. 
and are preparing a new offer. The most senior officials from eight studios are holding meetings more regularly alongside smaller committees of executives who are working to settle the dispute with the writers and a separate strike by the actors. The Writers Guild of America said in an email statement that the Studios Alliance of Motion Pictures and TV Producers requested a meeting for today, and the union expects the alliance to respond to the writers' proposals. So we'll see what the studios have to say. Keep in mind, the writers have been on strike since May, the actors since July. This weekend will actually mark one month since the actors went on strike. Both unions seeking an increase in base pay, residuals from streaming services, and job protection from artificial intelligence. The alliance, which includes companies like Disney and Netflix, have been reporting recently better-than-expected earnings in part to the savings they have from not having to produce new films and TV shows, but some believe that their willingness to put up with the work stoppage may be coming to an end, which is why it appears they're coming to the table here with the writers. It remains to be seen how close they get to the writers' demands. Some space travel news via CNN. Virgin Galactic, the space tourism company founded by British billionaire Richard Branson, finally launched its first space tourists to the edge of space. That is a major step toward delivering on decades of promises. The company's rocket-powered space plane, VSS Unity, took off Thursday morning from a New Mexico spaceport. It carried three customers, an entrepreneur and her daughter, as well as former Olympian John Goodwin, who competed as a canoeist in the 1972 Munich Summer Games. This vehicle ventured more than 50 miles above Earth's surface, the altitude the U.S. government considers the edge of outer space. Internationally, what's called the Carmen Line, 62 miles above sea level, is often used to mark the boundary between our planet and space, but there's a lot of gray area. But for these purposes, they are calling this space. Yeah, we're going to let them have it. They went to space. (laughs) Even though it's just about 50 miles up there, still pretty far up there, Jill. The space plane reached supersonic speeds as it hurled upward. And at the peak of its flight, the vehicle spent a few minutes in weightlessness as it entered a free fall and glided back to the spaceport for a runway landing. Sort of took off and landed like a plane. The whole journey lasted about an hour. And so this is a big milestone for Virgin Galactic carrying its first tourists. They founded the company back in 2004 and has long missed multiple deadlines for delivering on its promises. Keep in mind, uh, Elon Musk's company has already put tourists up there. Jeff Bezos's company has also put tourists up there. So uh, Branson's been a little behind his fellow billionaires uh, there in terms of space tourism. So now that it's operational, the company can turn towards its lengthy backlog of customers who've signed up for our flight. Jill, reportedly, Virgin Galactic has already sold 800 tickets, including 600 at 250K a pop and another couple hundred at 450K per ticket for this one-hour trip to space. Must be nice. We're (laughs) fundraising here at Mo News for our first ever trip to space. But Jill says that she's not in yet. I think it's still too experimental. I mean, I that, that's kind of where my head is. But I'm also a scaredy cat. I don't I don't like roller coasters. I, I, this it, seems like too, too big. As, as someone who uh, wears contact lenses, I sort of how I've always felt about laser surgery. Like I know and I know people in my life who've gotten laser surgery to correct their uh, vision. And I was like, you know, they're like, we're on sixth generation laser, eighth generation laser. I was like, I'm going to give it a few more generations. And at this point, now in my early 40s, I was like, you know what? I'm fine with contact lenses and glasses. Glasses are cool. Right, you waited so long that glasses are a look. They came back. (laughs) And finally, from People, Taylor Swift fans received the surprise of their wildest dreams. Get it? (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) at her uh, final Los Angeles Eras tour show on Wednesday. During the acoustic portion, the pop superstar announced the upcoming October 27th re-release of her first Grammy-winning pop album, 1989. And then she confirmed the news on Twitter or X or whatever you're calling it. She wrote, the 1989 album changed my life in countless ways, and it fills me with such excitement to announce that my version of it will be out on October 27th. To be perfectly honest, this is my most favorite re-record I've ever done because the five From the Vault tracks are so insane. I can't believe they were ever left behind but not for long. So the album is set to include those five previously unreleased tracks, while physical versions of the album will include never-before-seen photos. Jill, I feel like that's such a throwback. The physical version of the album, never-before-seen photos. I remember back in the day reading those CD albums and like when it was like really fat with like the lyrics and like cool stories. That was like such a thing. You're so right, um, but I'm so excited for this. And I actually recently found out via Spotify that somehow inexplicably I'm in the top 13% of Taylor Swift listeners. That's me, that's Jill impressive. Wagner, a, a grown woman <laughs> living in the suburbs. <laughs> Jill, that's many, 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 many hours of listening uh, to Taylor. Uh, we should note if this sounds familiar, the re-release, this is something Taylor's been doing to a number of her albums. Uh, this is her journey of re-recording material from her first six albums. This is all part of her effort to give her control of her music after Scooter Braun purchased her catalog. So all these Taylor's version albums have been coming out. Her most recent one was for Speak Now, and they've been massive hits on the streaming services for the past couple of years. And now time for our in-person edition, Jill, of Cheers to the Freaking Weekend. What we're watching, reading, and eating this weekend. We should mention as we go into the weekend that this segment is sponsored by Athletic Greens. We all know how hard it is, especially on weekends, to get all your nutrients. And so one way to try to get all the important ones is Athletic Greens AG1 powder. It's easy. It's quick. It's just one simple scoop in a glass of water. You get 75 important ingredients, tons of vitamins and minerals, pre and probiotics to support your digestion, gut health. And right now they're offering a special deal to the Monus community. And we'll tell you about that after we tell you about what we're watching, eating and reading this weekend. All right, Jill, kick us off. What are you watching? Mosh, season three of Only Murders in the Building. Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez, all back. But I am most excited about Meryl Streep, who's joining the cast. Uh, This, by the way, out on Hulu. Yeah, that's an all-star cast. You know, I am behind. I watched season one. I enjoyed it, but I never got to season two. Are you all caught up? I'm actually not, which is what I'm so excited about, is that I can basically binge a full season and then start season three. Yeah, that's been your frustration with Hijack on Apple is that you're waiting each week for an episode. So the the ability to just sit back and go episode after episode seems like it's right up your alley. Yes, clearly I have a serious addiction problem when it comes to streaming TV shows. (laughs) I've been doing it with The Bear. I know I'm way behind on The Bear, but uh, having two seasons of The Bear to watch all together is, is great. I did finish Hijack, and I highly recommend if anyone hasn't seen it yet. All right, Mosh, what are you watching? So I got to finish Hijack as well. And then I saw that Netflix has this documentary they recently put out called Deepest Breath. Uh, it's a free diving documentary, and it documents the people who literally like <gasps> will take a breath and then hold it for minutes as they dive down into the ocean and dive back up. No equipment. Free divers. And Netflix takes you inside their story. So I'm looking forward to checking that out. How long can you hold your breath, Jill? 
not even long enough uh, to swim from one end of the pool to the other. So I was okay. definitely <laughs> not going into the ocean and trying that. I was going to say in like a, a swimming pool, if I try to like make it to the bottom of the 10 foot section and back up, like that's victory for me. Okay, Mosh, what are you reading? So I just got an early copy of this book called The Six um, right here. Uh, it's by an author named Lauren Grush. And she writes about the untold story of the first six female NASA astronauts. I, I know you and I both are like really into early space history. And this is the uh, early story. It's coming out next month. We're going to have her on the podcast, actually. But she talks about the story of uh, people like Sally Ride and Judy Resnick and Anna Fisher um, and their whole story of being the, the first women who would go into space. We're both big fans of For All Mankind, that show on Apple. And that sounds great. I might wait till they make a documentary about it, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, Jill, you can listen to the episode on the podcast we have coming up next month. Perfect. Jill, what are you reading? So there was an opinion piece in the New York Times that caught my eye. It is called Dog Parks Are Great for People. Too bad they're terrible for dogs. Oh, no. <laughs> I know this whole time, right? Um, honestly, I haven't read it yet. So I'm really curious what this is all about and why dog parks aren't good for dogs. Can't wait for the answer. We're linking to it in the show notes, by the way, if you guys can't handle the anticipation. Okay, Mosh, what are you eating this weekend? So Alex for Father's Day, you know, my first Father's Day, right? Uh, as she's been pregnant, got me a membership to what's called the Frog Hollow Fruit Club. Uh, and they send baskets of peaches, like fresh peaches, several times. Uh, and she tells me, just as we're taping this podcast, that the first shipment of peaches have arrived. So I am a big stone fruit person. And I'm very much looking forward to sinking my teeth into this. She also tells me there's a discount available for all of you who want to check this out. Packing 10, capital P, packing, P-A-C-K-I-N-G, number 10. By the way, I'm not getting paid for this at all. And I haven't <laughs> tried the peaches yet. But if you want to check it out with me, check it out. Frog Hollow Fruit Club. Jill, I think I know what your answer is, but what are you eating? Well, Mosh, because coming to the Brooklyn office today was the adventure of a lifetime. <laughs> I am eating a breakfast bowl from Bluestone Lane, right down the street from our WeWork here in Dumbo. Um, I actually had that for lunch. It is sautéed baby kale, cherry tomatoes, feta avocado, farro, and a poached egg. And I got to say, it was delish. Also not paid for by Bluestone Lane, but it sounds like, Jill, you generally enjoyed it. There was not a bite left. By the way, when she says Dumbo, for those of you unfamiliar, there's a neighborhood of Brooklyn. We're not talking about the elephant. There's a neighborhood of Brooklyn called Dumbo, which uh, is a shortened name for down under the Manhattan Bridge overpass. Doesn't sound great, but it's actually a very cool neighborhood. Uh, you should check out if you ever visit New York. Jill, as we include the week and this segment, we should uh, remind folks this is brought to you by AG1 their daily nutritional supplement. They're offering right now a special deal right now for your first purchase of AG1. Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of vitamin D, five free travel packs of AG1. You can visit drinkag1.com slash Mo News. That is drinkag, the number one, dot com slash Mo News. Take advantage of the offer. 
You can get a monthly subscription. Try it just for one time for one month. Again, drinkag1.com slash monews. All right, everybody, that is a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Mo News Podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this with your friends. We'd really appreciate it. It will help us grow. It might make you look smart. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store. And check out Mo News Premium. We have a new feature this week. We're doing the Mo News Quiz to test yourself on your news knowledge. Have you been paying attention to everything we've told you this week? So you can check that out over at the Mo News Premium Instagram account, but you got to join Mo News Premium to access it over at mo.news. We have a special deal right now for a uh, annual deal, two free months and a free 30-day trial with the code Mo News Trial over at mo.news. All right, bye everybody. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Jill, we're going to see you here back next week. <laughs> TBD. Let's see how long it takes me to get home. Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.